let's just pray for, uh, for, for God to intervene in this, in this time of looking at his word. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for all that we've continued to be reminded of this morning. Because you remind us, God, of your gracious and goodness. And we thank you, Lord. And as we look into this further, Lord, we ask that the goodness of your word will marinate our hearts. And help us to be transformed by what you have to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. So many bits of paper, eh? <laughs> so, um, during our time of uh, harvest celebration, haven't we? We've been thinking about and looking about the importance of food, where it comes from. And harvest celebrations, they go way back. Back as far as Exodus chapter 23 from verse 14, which shows us that when the people entered the promised land, they celebrated the festival of harvest by bringing to God the first fruits of their crops that were sown in their field as an act of gratitude and appreciation to God. And the idea of first fruits is ingrained in Old Testament times where people in society that, at that time had to cultivate, as you know, and had to plough their land in order to have any food. I remember, uh, just recently I went round to uh, John and Suzanne's house and um, uh, warmly greeted uh, by these guys. And I walked out into the garden and I saw John milling around his garden at the back there by his greenhouse. And so I went over to greet him and uh, I said, hey, John, what are you up to? Right. And he said to me, and he had this bowl of berries and little tomatoes and things from, from memory. And he's walking around with this stuff. And I said, oh, what you got there? He said, oh, this is my crop, like, you know, picking my fruits. And, um, and he goes, you want to try one, right? So he goes over to his tomato, to tomato plants. I think they're tomato plants. They were tomato plants. And he's looking meticulously around these plants and he's going, hang on, what is this? Yeah, where's the right, where's the good one? And, you know, Suzanne kind of comes in and says, well, you know, that doesn't look, you know. Anyway, so he picked one, right? And he, because he said, do you want to try one? And then he starts to rub it on his shirt and he jumps out like this. And I'm looking at him thinking, you're not going to make me eat that, are you? <laughs> right? He said, don't worry, my jumper's clean, right? Well, I said, thank goodness for that. So, so I, I took the tomato and I ate it. And I have to say, that was really nice. Really, just lovely, just on the money, right? John had grown this plant with tomatoes and they tasted Wonderful. And then we went up to the back garden uh, where the house is, just further towards the house. And I have never seen so many pots, right? Pots 
And these flowers are beautiful, by the way. But these pots, and, and I, I thought Anoush had loads of pots, right? Right? The, how many pots do you reckon you got there, John? 150 pots in his garden. I've never seen so many pots. I said to him, John, I've got to say to you, what is, what is in those, why, why are you growing in these pots? And he said, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, you don't know. He said, because the labels have fallen off and we've had the dry season. So there we have. That's the first fruit. So when John picked that first fruit offering, gave it to me, wow, it tasted wonderful, right? Wonderful. Now in the New Testament, and we're not going to go into this, but the term that Paul uses as first fruits is more of a, has more of a symbolic meaning. And we won't go into that today, but we will be looking at that because he mentions that in chapter 15. As we draw closer to Easter, we'll be looking at the death and resurrection of Jesus, what that means for us. So keep that in mind, in the back of your mind, as, uh, as, as we think about first, first fruits. However, as we go back in those days, harvest time was significant because the farmers had to put so much time and effort into growing their crops, much like John, that they looked forward to uh, seeing the results of their hard work. So God instructed the people of Israel at that time to bring them the first fruit offering. The first fruit offering. No, No other crops could be harvested until this had happened. So God instructed them to bring the first fruits to him. And not only was this an act of gratefulness to God, but it was also to demonstrate that the Israelites were obedient because they revered God. They also trusted in God's provision, that God would provide enough food for their families. However, we now live in a society where many of us aren't farmers, right? We planted some seeds and we watched some stuff grow in our garden, but we're not farmers, not by any stretch of the imagination. Unless, unless we have an agricultural farmer here. Do we have anyone who's got a farmland? No, no. So we no longer have to grow the food ourselves. We, the far, we have farmers dedicated and fishermen. They're dedicated to bringing our food from their farms into the supermarkets, wrapped and ready for us to take home. Bring it home, cook it the way we like it. Any favourite dishes out there? Any favourite dishes? I've got, I like roast. I mean, even dessert. Any favourite dishes? Chicken curry? Any other faves? Oh, nice. Now you make it. Puddings? Do you? Favourite pudding? Any, as long as it's got sugar in it. Yeah. However, though, I wonder, right, I wonder how many of us here, um, whether we've made food or anything else that we perhaps shared, I wonder how many of us have taken the biggest slice. 
and we're about to share it. I wonder how many of us have looked at these bits and thinking, well, that looks a little bit horrible, I'll give that away. And I'll keep the nice bit to myself. I wonder how many of us have done that. The people of Israel that were now free from captivity, they completely understood that a good harvest was indeed a blessing from God. And that as they gave back to God the first and the best of their crops, they knew that further blessings were to come. Because every blessing that they received from God were glimpses of God's perfect kingdom. When God pours out the blessing, it's a glimpse of God's perfect kingdom. Now when we pray, don't we, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for more of God's kingdom to be revealed to us today. And although God designed this planet to be perfect, Adam and Eve, as we know, the very first humans, they decided to disobey God. And from their huge mistake, we all now live in this broken world. But even through the brokenness, we still see glimpses of God's perfect kingdom in many ways. We see God giving us his first and best, in particular through creation itself. Take a look at these pictures. Um, we can have the next slide, please, Bethany. Just stay on that picture a moment. Next one, please, Bethany. Again, please. Useful, isn't it? Next one, please, Beth. Next one, please. Next one, please, Beth. So, P, 
picture of Jim, wonderful, wonderful. When I look at these pictures, and and some of us, you know, may have been fortunate enough to go and see these places. I think you recall Niagara Falls. He saw, um, and and you know, um, I'm stricken really with awe and wonder. Even when I see the picture of Jim, God's creation of human life. And even though humans, they turn their backs on us, God continues to give us his best. Amen. More importantly, giving us Jesus Christ to the world and offering this hope of salvation, this opportunity of salvation through the work and the, and the person of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. God gives us his best first. So in our... So I'm just going to uh, just go through um, just a brief... Now, many of us know Matthew... Um, as being a disciple of Jesus. He was a tax collector and a brief outline. So Matthew begins his gospel with the genealogy of uh, Jesus, a lineage of Jesus from the line of David. And then he goes on to talk about the early life of Jesus Christ uh, in the first two chapters. From there, Matthew then discusses the early ministry of uh, Jesus' teachings and uh, looks uh, around the discourses such as the famous Sermon on the Mount, um, which is in you'll find in chapters uh, 5 to 7, and then in chapter 10, Matthew involves uh, the mission of, uh, of the, and the purpose of the disciples. Chapter 13 is where we're going to be uh, looking at today, is a collection of parables, and parables... Um, were uh, uh, teachings of Jesus to help people, um, to enable them to understand from the everyday things that they were encountering that, uh, in, that, in that time. You'll also find Matthew's Gospel also discusses the arrest, the torture and the crucifixion of Jesus through to the resurrection and the final chapter where, uh, uh, where it's illustrated about the Great Commission. You know, go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's just a really uh, a back, backdrop uh, of, of Matthew. So in our text for today, uh, we see, I'm just going to ask you to go to um, Matthew 13, uh, verses 31 to 33. If you've got your Bibles there, re- you know, really encourage you if you can read the small print. If not, it's up on the screen. So we see in Matthew here um, where Jesus sat by the Sea of Galilee and large crowds were gathering around him because of his previous teachings and miracles that he was performing. So these crowds started to follow him and were inquisitive and were, were needed to be around him. And so Jesus, overwhelmed with all of this, gets in a boat and starts speaking to them while they're standing on the shore. And he says, he says this, but he tells them these parables, these wonderful parables to help them enable to understand what the kingdom of heaven 
what the kingdom of God is like. He says this, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch on its branches. He then told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now what we can glean from these two parables here is that the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is likened to something small. Two similarities, small. Yeast is small. The mustard seed is really small. So why does Jesus associate those things with the kingdom of God? Well, it's quite clear when we look into that text what happened. They have an enormous impact. The small seed has an enormous impact. The yeast has an enormous impact. Why? Because what happens to yeast when it's mixed with dough? It, it swells, it expands. And both parables here tell us that from humble beginnings, there is a great and glorious destiny. These parables, they set reality and hope side by side and offers the grand end in the mundane beginning. And Jesus, of course, here, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. Because he was one man living 2,000 years ago in the back end of beyond, in a, in, on a map and a tiny little speck where nobody cared about. And people back then said to him, said to others, well, he'll be forgotten about within weeks. And yet today, how many followers do we have of Jesus? Two, just over two billion Followers of Jesus today calling themselves Christians. One man making an enormous impact. And that's why God sent Jesus to this imperfect world to demonstrate what the kingdom of God is like. To give this world a glimpse, a, a glimpse of the kingdom of God when it's fully manifested. That's why Jesus healed people. Jesus healed people to point them to the perfect kingdom of God because there is no sickness, there is no illness in God's kingdom. And that's why Jesus raised people from the dead because there is no death in the perfect kingdom of God. There is only eternal life. And that's why Jesus fed the hungry and he served the poor because... There is no hunger and there is no poverty in the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus became peace and freedom because there is no war in the kingdom of heaven. There are no refugees. And so Jesus, he reached to people with his love 
And he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you believe in me and the things that I will accomplish, you will eventually inherit this perfect kingdom of God. Pointing to that kingdom. That's what Jesus was doing. So we see Jesus invading earth, the kingdom of God through Jesus invading earth. And Jesus explains to us that it doesn't stop there because if we want to see more of God's kingdom in our lives, as Christians, we need to first fix our eyes upon Jesus, fix our hearts upon him, because when we encounter more of Jesus in this way, our hearts will continue to soften. Because the world has hardened our hearts, right? We see the world around us. We see things happening around us and our hearts start to become harder and harder. And what we must focus on is Jesus and his way and his truth and we'll become more and more obedient to his perfect ways. And that's when we'll we'll start seeing the kingdom of God continue to manifest in our lives. It's fixing our eyes upon him because the world is going to take us away. We need to be focused. And you're right in thinking, well, actually, it doesn't, it's not easy being a Christian in this world. It's not easy because we fail God many times. And sometimes we start straying down this path of destruction. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, you're going in the wrong direction. Something is not right here. You need to focus on me. Why? Because when you go down that path, your life is going to get messy. Your life is going to get messy. And there are moments in life when we encounter great disappointment. Great discouragement. But it's here that we need to lean into God in prayer. Amen. We need to ask God in his perfect ways to help us. So when we bring our offering of food to bless those who are in desperate need desperate need. We're sharing the love of Jesus with people. And this is what Jesus continuously expects us to do. There's a perpetual Christian journey with God. It's ongoing and it is fruitful if we are obedient. Because what does it do? It points people to the perfect kingdom of God when we're out there with people. When we feed the hungry and we serve the poor, it points people to the perfect kingdom of God. When we pray for others, it points people to the perfect kingdom of God. When we help those in need, it points people to the perfect kingdom of God. When we forgive those who hurt us, it points people to the perfect kingdom of God. When we meet and we serve in church here together and we praise and worship God, it points 
to the perfect kingdom of God. Jesus' time on earth was to point people to the Father. God is the only being in our lives that will take us on a journey of hope and discovery. If we stay where we are and we do not move with God, our lives will become stale. God is saying, move with me and I will reveal more of the kingdom of God in your life. So Anoush has been really um, instrumental in putting this together for us, right? I mean, if you've seen the little packages out there, right? So it's in, the, in here, we have, uh, we have a little bucket. Um, we have some sort of compost, and John will be quite familiar with this, right? And we have sunflower seeds, okay? Now, I know, Anoush, you're saying that you need to, they need to be in a warm environment. Is that correct? Yeah. Plenty of... <laughs> you might get a seedling. But it's something as a symbol. And I wanted to do something as a symbol. Because my challenge to us all, all of us, this morning as we begin our series in growing forward together, I encourage you to plant these seeds that you were given as, a, as that symbol to remind you that God loves you first and you are growing in him. You are, even though it may seem flat at times, you are still growing in him. And in that spiritual growth, as we journey together in this spiritual growth, we're going to grow together, grow forward together. I implore you to think about committing your first fruit offerings to the work of God's church. To the work of God's church. Making God the priority and giving him your first and your best. Because God requires us to seek first his kingdom. You heard the verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And he's calling us to the harvest that is out there in our community. And only God knows if that harvest is ripe and that people are ready to hear the salvation story and receive it well. Or whether we are to continue planting the seeds of hope in this community and being those labourers preparing the field for future harvest. I wonder what God is calling us to. I wonder what he's saying. Whichever way that goes, in this new season, and in his timing, God will reveal that to us. And I believe that. He's called us here and something has happened. Let's embrace it.
think about the areas that you might want to step up for Christ and his mission for Culver Church to support and help the kingdom of God grow in this place and in the community. Not just in numbers, not just in numbers, but in depth. In depth. Because when you approach God with open hands instead of clenched fists, God's going to pour out blessings into your lives, blessings that will over, overflow. And I've witnessed that. And that's guaranteed. Why? Because God knows us. And he wants us to have faith in him every turn. Here's what Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 to 10 says this. Bethany, can I just have that on the, on the screen, please? Listen to this. I love this proverb. This is the heart of God. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats, your tubs, will brim over with new wine. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this next week in, in Isaiah, about the new wine, the new hope. The new hope. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, giving God your best. When? First. Then your barns be overflowing and your vats will burn over in one. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that when we entered into a relationship with you, you've shown us and revealed so much in our lives. You've taken us on a journey of discovery hope. We've seen glimpses of your kingdom, God, in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you'll continue, Father, to to bless us with the perfect kingdom of God and those glimpses, Lord, that we know keeps us focused on you, keeps us focused on the future of eternal life and a life that is shared with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for today and we thank you that we can give thanks to you for all that we have to sustain us. And as I look around these gifts, Lord, that you've given us, to give away, we give our first, we give our best to you, God. Because it's our best that we want to give back to you. Why? Because you have called us to do this very thing. We bless you, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.